This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we are definitely doing a combination of making your business and yourself as successful as possible. And this really is going to be so much fun. Um, I was reading my guest's new book that just came out yesterday. Woohoo! Can't get much more, more, much more newer than that. Um, and, and really thinking, oh, this is going to be so much fun to talk to my guest. So please join me in welcoming Jonathan Kaiser to our program today. Welcome, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. It's been uh, it's been an honor to be invited, and uh, looking forward to this conversation very much. Well, you know, it really is going to be so much fun, and we were having a great time chatting off the air, and had to you know kind of drag ourselves back into <laughs> actually have to do this for real. Uh, someday I should record all of those and just have a, a whole big thing on outtakes. Um, but but okay, down to business, Jonathan. Let me tell people just a little bit about you. So today's guest, as I have said, is Jonathan Kaiser, the inspiring founder and thought leader behind Kaiser, Arizona's largest commercial real estate brokerage firm. With more than 18 years of experience in the industry, Jonathan excels at designing and implementing unique solutions to complex real estate challenges. Under his guidance, Kaiser has become one of the fastest growing CRE firms in the country largely driven by Jonathan's disruptive focus on selfless service as the key to success. Jonathan's selfless service model resonates with corporations and individuals seeking a competitive edge to acquiring and maintaining clients. Jonathan is living out his passion of inspiring selfless service in others through his new book, as I mentioned, Fresh Off the Presses, You Don't Have to Be Ruthless to Win, as well as from the stage, speaking to thousands of professionals at industry and charity events across the nation. Jonathan is here today to share his journey, mission, and selfless service model to empower each of us to succeed. Again, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I just want to clarify one thing. We are <clears throat> we are the largest firm of our kind in the state. There are some big multinational firms oh, that are true. larger than us. Mm-hmm. So I just want to make sure I don't uh, misspeak. But it is an amazing show. You have an amazing story. And I'm honored to be on it. And I really enjoyed getting to know you more as we got ready for this podcast. Right. You know, and, and that's what's so much fun is I get to meet some of the coolest people. Um, you know, people are always saying to me, what do you get out of doing your program? I get to meet way cool people. Um, you know, and, and so that's what's so much fun about this. Hopefully I live up to the standard. I right? know, I know, you know, we've set that bar high. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that is kind of part of it is we all have to set those bars high. Um, you know, sometimes we set them really low. Or we're like, okay, we can just be average. Average is okay. Um, you know, and, and, or somebody said to you, how are you doing? Fine. How is the service you got? Fine. And fine and average are what's accepted now. 
And it shouldn't be. You know, we should want to hit it out of the park every single time. And are we going to? No. I mean, you know, we're, we're all human. But it's, it, part of it is our internal thought processes as we're, we're doing all of this. Um, yeah, it's great to make money. We like money. Yeah, you know. We, we, oh, look, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> but at the same point, if we're not feeling good, about what we're doing, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, we could be gazillionaires and make the top of all those lists, but if we're not happy with ourselves, it's it doesn't matter. And that's really the you know what is is behind your story. But let's start at the beginning. You know, what? How did this come to be? Tell us a little bit more about Jonathan. Sure. So, <clears throat> I I have a very unique story that um, a lot of people I think resonate with because it's. While my experiences are very different, I think people can resonate because they've gone through a lot of the same journey themselves. I was raised by extraordinary parents. I was a missionary kid. Mm -hmm. And my family, I just had an amazing family reunion that we hosted at our home with people flying, flying in from all over the world. We had 80 people in our house this last weekend. And it was a reminder to me of how much of my family is out in the world selflessly serving others. And so as a missionary kid, I was raised to love and serve and help and give and go above and beyond and always put others first. <clears throat> when I got back from the mission field, so I was in Papua New Guinea and I was there until I was 11. And for those of you who don't know where Papua New Guinea is, it's the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it, is, it is not on many maps, but... Um, it was, it was a very unique experience for me to grow up, it, part of my life in that area. I got to see what a culture that was 20 years out of the Stone Age was like. Mm -hmm. um, and it really gave me a perspective that I think a lot of Americans don't have. I don't have this sort of rigid worldview that a lot of uh, Americans that are very U.S.-centric have. I have much more of a, you know, understanding all sides of the, of the, uh, of the living paradigm. So when we came back from Papua New Guinea and when I was 11, um, I had this rude awakening. And that's kind of where it all started, where I'd been taught to love and serve. I've been taught, taught to help others. It was modeled for me in my home. And then I come back to the U.S. and I realize that I'm broke and that our family is really, really poor. Because in Papua New Guinea, everybody's poor. So, right. you know, in fact, we probably had more than others because... People would send us stuff from the States that we'd get and hand me down in crates. Um, and so being that realization really stuck with me, Deb. It was, it was one of those things where I decided at an early age, I don't want to be poor. Mm -hmm. I don't like being broke. I want the stuff right. mm -hmm. that other people had. So without even having the self-realization to, you know, sure, I can look back now and say, hey, I made these, mm -hmm. you know, deep internal decisions. But the reality is, is at the time... I just knew I wanted success right. and I didn't want to be poor. Right. And, and so, kids can be so cruel. Oh man. You know, especially if you're looking at somebody and going, what you wore that? Ooh, you know, or what do you mean? I was you have your, your lunch in a bag. Food. Well, yeah, it's not, not only. So <laughs> I love that you said that Deb. So not only was I not cool with my clothes cause they were all hand me downs and used stuff from the donation box, but I didn't have any sense of style. Wow, some people argue I still don't, but uh, I didn't have any real sense of style. So to me, having been overseas, their favorite kind of shirts were these like 
big Hawaiian style shirts. So here I am in this little bit cowboy town wearing these flashy hand-me-down <laughs> Hawaiian shirts and everybody thought I was just nuts. Right. So that, that, that created this deep sense within me of I'm going to be successful and I'm not going to be poor. And this whole idea of helping other people with my life, like my whole family had done, mm-hmm. was out the window for me. I wanted nothing to do with that whole philosophy. Mm-hmm. So went to college. I was going to be an attorney, but my favorite professor talked me out of it. I stumbled into commercial real estate because somebody said, if you do this, you can have your own private jet someday. And I got so excited about the idea of having a private jet that I got in. Plus, when I went to interview Deb, it was one of those things where I walk in the door and first of all, I walk past all these BMWs and Mercedes, (laughs) Audis, and I'm like, okay, I like that. And then I get in and it's fancy office space and Everybody's in these suits looking all amazing. And then I look at their desks and they have these beautiful families on these picturesque uh, vacations. And I'm like, I want that. Put me there (laughs) now. Mm -hmm. So, so I got into commercial real estate because I wanted to be rich. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make money. Right. But I didn't really realize what I was getting myself into. Mm -hmm. Right. I had no idea how ruthless Mm -hmm. and cutthroat the industry really was. Mm -hmm. So I jumped right in all, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed. And I had a really rude awakening where I realized really quickly, wow, this is a ruthless industry. And, you know, everyone around me modeling different variants of that ruthlessness. And so I learned really fast, you know, swim with the sharks or be eaten. And so I became very, very ruthless Mm -hmm. intentionally because I felt like that was what it took to be successful. So if you slow it down. Here I was raised, taught to love and serve. Mm-hmm. I saw the results from my uh, not yet advanced mindset of just the poor. I didn't see the impact that they were having. I just right. felt like there was no money in it. Mm-hmm. Then I see what it takes to be successful. So I decide that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to do, and I'm an overachiever, Deb. Mm-hmm. When I do something, I tend to do it more wholeheartedly than most. Mm-hmm. I became arguably one of the most ruthless commercial real estate brokers in the country. Mm. And everything was about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to steal leads as much as possible. Um, I would fight scratch and cloth over commissions. I would talk clients into things that were not in their best interest because it would make me more commission. Right. And again, this was to me, I wasn't even doing anything wrong. It was no. just, this is the way it was the what was expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if you talk to a lot of people, they say, well, JK was kind of on the worst end. Well, yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. But that was that, that, that's a that's a behavior that as people read my book, they go, man, I've had that same experience. And so, you know, I got into the mode of whatever it took to be successful, mm-hmm. I was willing to do. Mm-hmm. But deep down, Deb, when I was laying in bed, quiet, I was miserable. Right. You know, I, that wasn't I, how you were brought up. Yeah, I was I was so fundamentally misaligned with my core values. I was torn, right? I felt trapped. On one hand, I felt like this is what I needed to do to be successful. And on the other hand, I felt like I was kind of selling my soul. Like I was just a used car salesman trying to sell as, apologies to any used car salesman out there. I'm sure there's lots of good ones, but you know, it's the same kind of basic, whatever it takes to sell it. And how much can you sell the car for versus you know, what's in the best interest of the client. So here I was in this for five years, I'm in the industry just torn between what my heart's telling me is right 
and what my mind is telling me I want to do in the world and create wealth wise. Mm -hmm. So about 15 years ago, it all changed. So I go to this industry conference and this guy gets up and you know how you go to these conferences and you sign up for the different breakout sessions. This is what one of what the one of those was. Mm -hmm. I think it was called networking. So I'm like, ah, oh, that sounds like something I could just kind yeah, of. Yeah, we all need to build our networks. Yeah, sure. I'll learn a little bit about networking. And plus, I was probably going to sleep halfway through it. But I get in there and I'm riveted by the topic. It's this guy who uh, is talking about a different way of doing business, about how to create success by serving and helping other people. And I was blown away. I'd never right. heard anything like it. He sounded like my parents. Mm -hmm. He's also a badass. And I'm like, how right. is this badass sounding like my parents? It makes yeah. no sense. You can't combine the two. No, oh. no. Mm -hmm. So I go up afterwards. So I was just transfixed. I was like glued to this to 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 my chair and just staring at him, just listening. And I'm the whole time I'm thinking, this guy's not for real. Like, this is just a shtick. There's, there's no way he actually does this. And so I go up afterwards and I kind of wait in line because people are wanting to talk to him. And I say, is this really true? Like, do you really do this? Or is this just something you tell people? Right. Said, oh, you, you get to give lots of fun speeches. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is just, you know... And because I'm used in commercial real estate to saying whatever it takes, mm -hmm. your whole goal is to look good. It's not about being good. It's about how good do you look. So you live this fake life of like pretending to be one person and really underneath it being another. So I just assumed it was more of that. But I saw the sincerity in, in, in him and his responses. And he said, no, that's this is how I built my business. And I said, well, how is that even possible? And he said, Jonathan, think about it like this. Think about what you're doing today is you're hunting. You're getting your gun off the shelf every day. You're going out. You're, you're shooting your prey. You're bringing it back, cleaning it, eating it. And then you got to get up the next morning and do it all over again. Mm -hmm. Because what I'm describing is a business model, which is more like farming, where you're planting seeds. Call them citrus trees. We have a lot of citrus trees here in Arizona. I have one in my backyard that when I first planted it, it was this tiny little pain in the butt tree. And I always thought it was going to die and it gave me no fruit. You're going to mow over it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I kept, I kept nurturing it. And now today, it's almost a nuisance how many lemons come off that tree. I can't give them away. And that's what he described. He described this idea of investing in people and investing in relationships and paying it forward with them and looking for ways to serve them Right. and worrying about yourself last. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at him and I go, okay, well, if this is really true and this really works, mm -hmm. How come no one else is doing this? Yeah. Hmm. You know? None of the books are being some, written about it. And, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. This is some Mary like. Buffett does not talk about this. <laughs> Why is it so hidden? Mm -hmm. And he said, because it takes too long. And I said, what does that mean? He said, well, it'll take you about five years mm -hmm. to reinvent yourself around this philosophy. And most people don't have the patience, right? It's right. a it's they, they have to eat all of those other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I said, so you're telling me that if I do this relentlessly, which is basically the only way I do anything that uh, in five years I could have success because mm -hmm. he described it as when you do it this way, instead of having to go sell, Mm -hmm. People come to you. You, be, you right. create a referral model where people, because of how much you've helped them in the community, 
have the whole community looking for ways to help you back. And I thought that just sounded so cool. It sounded right. like it sounded like the missing piece that, my, that, that that I had not seen with my parents. Right. All I saw was the outgoing. I didn't see the incoming, and I didn't realize that 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 was even possible. So I thought about it some more. Talked to one other person who was who was doing it, and I decided, okay. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And I flew back to Arizona, threw my old business plan away, and I just got involved in the community. And I started helping everybody that I could. Mm -hmm. And people, people thought I was crazy. Right. Because right? they're thinking, wait a minute, what do you want in exchange? Everybody thought it was like, it took a lot of time mm -hmm. for people, one, to realize I didn't just hit my head on a trip. Mm -hmm. you know, here I was, here I was the national rookie of the year for Grubinella's. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden I look like I'm a community concierge just out every, asking every business right. person I bump into what I can do to help them. Um, but also, yeah, in the interactions with people, people are like looking at me like, what do you mean? How can you help me? You know, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a, you know, cause what I do is I help companies with their real estate leases. And so right. they'd be like, well, I, don't have, I don't have a real estate lease coming yeah. up. I don't have a need for space or I don't want to buy a building. Or yeah, so why would I even talk to you? Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like I'm, I'm building a model where all I want to do is help as many people in the community because I believe that over a long term, it'll all come back. So I'm not looking for anything in return. What do you need? Do you have, uh, you know, do you have any kids? Well, yeah, we have kids. Uh, do you, any of your kids need jobs? They'd be like, well, actually, yeah. Or, you know, well, we're looking, you know, mom, my wife has cancer and I'm looking for a good doctor. That's happened multiple times. Um, you know, we need more business for our firm. So I spent more time doing business development mm -hmm. <laughs> for others mm -hmm. than I was doing for myself. Mm -hmm. And what I found that most people want the most mm -hmm. is connection. Right. And in a world of LinkedIn and Facebook and, and others, there's this idea that if we have a bunch of likes and we have a lot of connections that we're somehow connected. But the reality is we're not. We're not. And we're actually less connected. And so what I spent most of my time and still to this day, spend the majority of my time doing is helping other business leaders connect, connecting people mm -hmm. to improve and increase their network. Mm -hmm. And that journey, that um, that work is some of the most fulfilling work that I think anybody can do. There's there's a, a level of joy. There's a level of 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 gratitude. There's a level of, of fulfillment that comes when you're spending your time helping other people. There's just, it's hard to describe. And it's even cooler when you realize that the more you do of that, the more it comes back. So back to my story, here I am out in the community asking everybody, how can I help you? How can I help you? They called me the breakfast or the coffee, breakfast, lunch, and dinner guy. Cause <laughs> everywhere I went, I was out trying to meet with people and asking the same question. And as you can imagine, you know, ideas, are cute at first mm -hmm. and over time when they're not making money in the traditional firm yeah. environment, which I was in, mm -hmm. it became less cute. And so, you know, the, the pressure increased on me to kind of go back to the traditional model because it wasn't having results prior to that five years. But I, I was just, I was just committed, right? I just, I just could feel it. I, I, I knew, I knew that this was going to work because one, I'd seen two people now, that had demonstrated that it could be done. So I had examples in front of me, but also I could feel it deep down that the impact I was having was resonating with people and that every act of service was having an impact. And so I just kept doing it and just tried to, you know, when you talk about resilience, the, 
the ability to keep doing what you believe you should be doing when everyone else is kind of poo-pooing it is is really that was a, that was a test for me. It was it was it was a big challenge. And just like he had predicted, it took me about five years, Deb. Wow. It was about five years of just serving and giving and you know scraping <laughs> scraping the bottom of the bank account just to survive. And but after five years, it was almost like magic. I had planted so many seeds that had matured, and people now knew that. I was, this wasn't a flash in the pan that I was sincere and that, I, and that I became the go-to guy where everybody's like, Hey, you need anything? Call Jonathan. That, that crazy yeah. help, help with anything you need. And so I started getting all these referrals and calls that were unsolicited. And some of them were just for me to help them with other acts of service or help their friends or right. families. But some of them were commercial real estate. So they call and say, Hey, Jonathan, my company, you know, we're, we're growing. We need more space. I hear you're a guy that helps people. I also hear that you only represent users, your occupiers, tenants of space, right. not landlords and developers. Can you help me? So I, I'm used to being in commercial real estate. I'm used to having to go pitch and tell how great I am. And here's my resume. And here's all the big deals I've done. Here I have people just coming to me saying, hey, I've heard good things about you. Can you help me? Right. And that started this extraordinary journey where I went from kind of laughing stock, honestly, at my last company to, uh, to top producer. And um, now the problem was how, how do I scale this? Right? right. How do I go from JK, what is it call me by the way, my, my kind of nickname, Jonathan Kaiser. How do I go from just JK's team, mm -hmm. me and a couple others to scale? Right. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> So, so that started a lot of mm -hmm. self-reflection. That started a lot of internal analysis to figure out what I really wanted to do. And then in 2012, I had an epiphany moment where I realized in a flash at an early morning meditation that I had the opportunity to actually change the industry. If I could teach others how to do this, mm -hmm. I could transform and help reinvent and rethink commercial real estate brokerage where it didn't have to be ruthless, right. where you could just build success by helping others. And um, I decided in 2012 that I was going to do that. And I left my old firm and they kind of patted me on the head and said, good luck with that. Yeah. And, um, and just launched out. And we decided, we decided, Deb, that we were going to do it uh, very boldly. I had some amazing founders that that joined me and we decided we were going to spare no, um, no, we, we were, we were going to be bold. We weren't going to be fearful. You know, when I had that epiphany moment, I made a list. I, I, I sat down and I said, okay, if I'm going to create a firm that's going to change the world, how do I create it? Like I've never right. created it before. What am right. I supposed to how you do always I do worked for someone. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. I thought of myself as a real estate guy. And, but now I had this vision and this passion. And, um, and so I made a list of what a utopian commercial real estate firm would look like. How do we eliminate all the things that makes commercial real estate culture suck? Right. And, um, and out of that, we created what is today our 15 core operating principles that guide everything we do. And, so I left the old firm and launched my firm in January of 2013. And I still remember, Deb, you talk about, talk about critical moments. 
We developed the site. It was ready to launch. It was January of 2013. The web developer had just sent me an email with the final link asking for my approval to go live. And I remember the mouse hovering. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I better go back and read this site one more time just to make sure. And so I read it and it's just filled with love and service and culture and do the right thing. And, and I'm thinking through the lens of what would other commercial real estate brokers think? And I think, oh my gosh, we are so over the top. People are right. going gonna to think you guys are nuts. They're, are they, if they thought we were nuts before, now they're really going right. to think we're right. nuts. Mm-hmm. And it was like this decision moment where my finger's hovering and I'm like, screw it. That's what we are. Boom, send. And we've never looked back. And so, you know, originally we thought we were going to appeal to about 20% of the population and about 80% would think we're nuts. Mm-hmm. Now we found that it's actually the opposite. About right. 80% of people really resonate. I think everybody kind of knows that commercial real estate is broken mm-hmm. and that the culture is unsustainable. And there's a lot of other industries like that as well. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so, you know, our message is, look, if we can show, you know, today we have, we're the largest firm of our kind in the state, one of the faster growing firms in the country. You know, if we can show that you don't have to be a ruthless prick to win, if we can show that by loving and serving other people, you can create extraordinary success. Right. I think, I think everybody kind of knows you should love and serve and help. Right. And we all, we all know how to do that in our families or, you know, with our communities, you know, our our social clubs or our churches or whatever. But then we go into the business world and we have this belief, no. Right. Everybody's scratching and calling. So I got to put on my tough suit. Mm-hmm. And I got to go fight, fight, fight mm-hmm. to win. And so all I'm saying is I believe now after reinventing myself around it, that the same things that work in your family, the love and service and putting others first and selflessness actually create long-term sustainable success, even in one of the most ruthless industries in the world. So today, you know, we're still referral only clients flock to us because they want us. They they actually, here's a concept. How about you could actually trust your real estate broker? Oh my gosh. You mean they're not out to screw me? (laughs) (laughs) How about you had somebody who's actually not conflicted. That's trying to work multiple sides of transactions to maximize their commission, what if you just had somebody that worked just for you, that right. was an expert, that wanted to help you in every way possible, right? So, I mean, we, we people call my business model inefficient a lot when they first come in because they hear that we do three to four times the amount of work per client project that our competitors do, and they go, right. that's insane. Like, that that's, makes no sense. That mm-hmm. makes no sense, Jonathan, that you can't survive like that. And our model is no, no, you don't get it. It's actually the opposite. Mm-hmm. We go so deep and so right. far above and beyond for our clients and partners. And, and again, we're not perfect, but the effort and the intentionality and the service is there. It's like the feeling of, wow, I cannot believe this person does this much for me is the goal for every single client of Kaiser. And when that happens, people want to go tell all their friends about right. it. It's so extraordinary. So by serving people, you're getting, you're turning them into ambassadors for your cause. Right. And that's literally our business model is everybody we touch, we try to serve the crap out of them, love them, help them. What do you need? Always available, go above and beyond. It's not about us. And those people so appreciate it that they go tell other people 
so appreciate it once they engage with us mm-hmm. and it just spreads. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and we all know, and, and we've talked about it before in the program, about the power of word of mouth. You know, we can see ads, we, you know, whether it's a billboard, TV, you know, we can read websites, you know, all these various things where the business says we have the greatest product, service, whatever in the world. And you're like, well, ugh, of course you're going to say that. <laughs> right. Um, you know, you're not going to say, like, is it, you're not going to say we're fine. We're average. We're okay. Um, you're, you know, we're the greatest in the world. And so you're like, yeah. But when someone else, even somebody we don't know, says, hey, this is great. We're like, cool. I mean, you know, that, that's why review sites yeah. do so well. You know, I don't care that I don't know those 500 people that did the Yelp review. You know, they, they liked it. Um, you know, but then, of course, it, it gets better and better the, the closer the relationship is. You know, if, if someone I truly know and trust tells me, hey, this is a great organization to work with, I'm not even going to check out anybody else, um, you know, and, and, and I mean, that's the important thing is, is we don't, we're like, Oh, okay. Um, you know, it, it's funny. My neighbors a couple of days ago, who did we use for our HVAC? Because they knew ours had died and theirs was getting ready to die. You know, we're in the, the, the houses have all been bad, built about the same time. So I, you know, more than happy to tell them who we used. And, and I said, they're good people. Um, you know, I said we were, you know, I, and now I, you know, I met them in a networking event, so I've known them for a while, but I said, they won't try and screw you. They won't try totally. and upsell you. Totally. I said, they're really good people. I said, now it might cost more, but it's worth it. Mm. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, yeah, I mean, that just, that does wonders yeah. for somebody when, when you have those, those advocates out there for you. I, what I love about what you just said, Deb is that at the end of the day, every interaction is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it, it's an opportunity for many future interactions. Right. And it's an opportunity to unlock people's contacts and networks. Yet instead of viewing it that way, people view it as how do I maximize my own personal gain in this one interaction? Right. How many times have we all had an experience where we cannot stand the person we have to interact with? Somebody comes oh. out to your home, somebody that you have to deal with at whatever, right? If you have a negative experience, that becomes viral too. Right. So most people- Oh yeah, spend, we're back on Facebook going- tick, 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 tick. Mm-hmm. Most people spend all their time polluting their own pond and then they wonder why there's not very many fish in it. And right. so, our, and again, we are not perfect. We, in fact, we don't even try to be perfect. If you look at our 15 cooperating principles, those are aspirational. I mean- mm-hmm. One of the things that I do is I, I, I sent, I started doing this recently. I sent my team after each day where I was and wasn't aligned with mm-hmm. our 15 core operating principles, where I hit the mark and where I missed the mark. And then I say, hey, but I got blind spots. So tell me where I missed it. Right. Because it's so critical for me that as an organization designed around these principles that we actually live them, that they're actually real for us. Because as we scale finding those people that are aligned mm-hmm. becomes critical to maintaining and growing the culture that we've right. created. Right. You know, and, and it's hard because as you said, we are kind of brought up with the, the philosophy of what's in it for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 and it doesn't, you know, when we're little kids, you know, it's like, well, I'll give you this toy, but you got to give me one of your toys back. Um, you know, and, and, and then we just kind of go from there. And, 
and we are, you know, whether we're brought up in a faith-based household or not, you know, you, then you, you get the opposite too, you know, of the, you have to be loving, you have to be caring. And so, you know, we get confused really early, yes. um, you know, and then it, it, it is a competition. Um, you know, and, and I always kind of chuckle at the people that, you know, well, we're going to have the soccer games, but we're not going to keep score. <laughs> no, the kid, the, everybody's keeping score. I mm. mean, you know, let's, let's be honest, they're keeping score and, um, but there's certainly ways to do it where it's not a negative. Um, you know, I recently, uh, you know, we had the, the women's soccer and, you know, and, and the U S team won and that was great, but there were some hiccups along the way, you know, like where they were really, really trouncing the other team. Um, yeah, they won what, like 13 to one. Mm-hmm. And even when they had the, you know, when they had a, a, a huge lead, they still were doing the, Hey, you know, we're great. We're great. And people thought that was poor sportsmanship. And you know, now they can't dial it back on playing. You know, I'm, I'm a big sports fan. And, and I know that the second you dial it back and, and not try as hard, it's when you get hurt. I mean, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things. And so, you know, you don't, and it does show lack of respect for the other team. Um, but when you're still really, really jumping up and down and saying, hey, we're, you know, it, it does. It gives that bad taste in, in your mouth. Um, but, you know, it's, and, and, it, so it, it is kind of bizarre how we're brought up that, you know, it, it's, it is, you know, we're, we're, we do have to be better than the other person or better than the other team. Um, and so then we carry that into our businesses. You know, we, yeah, I we think have- a lot of people have this idea, Deb, that like, that they don't want to be taken advantage of. I certainly right. have that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Driven by this kind of my brother's taking my toy away. Like you were just saying, mm-hmm. And my mindset is what I noticed mm-hmm. as I started doing this was that everybody was going to networking events mm-hmm. and they had their little spiel dialed in and they were ready to kind of give their 30 minute elevator speech. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is they were so busy waiting for their turn to talk right. that they weren't listening. They weren't engaged with the other person. And if, if everybody's waiting to pitch themselves and if everybody also, so let me give you a quick story. So I went to this company one time. I was explaining to them what we were up to. This is early on in the company. And I said, this is how we serve and we serve first and all this stuff. And they said, Jonathan, we have the exact same business model as you. And I'm like, cool, tell me more. And they said, all, every one of our people out in the community that help us, we help them back. And all of our clients, we serve them immensely. And I said, no offense, but you actually have the opposite business model of us. Mm-hmm. You're waiting for other people to act first, and then you reciprocate. Mm-hmm. I said, what I'm describing is the opposite of that, which is no expectation, no right. guarantee. You serve first, and that's how you unlock. Because if everybody else, it, Adam Grant wrote this amazing book called Give and Take. And in it, he describes people as givers, matchers, and takers. Mm-hmm. And he describes how takers are only a very small percentage of the population. Right. right? Most people are matchers and then givers are are the other smaller percentage. And so if you just look at the numbers, if everybody's weight, if matchers are the majority and you want to unlock their relationships, just strategically, forget about, this isn't squishy. Like I'm not a, I'm not a guy that's hugging trees and talking about like, just do it because it's right. I'm saying this (laughs) is real practical business mm-hmm. strategy. Right. If other people are waiting to help until they're helped, mm-hmm. why don't you just help first? Yeah. Right? And then when you do, 
You create amazing opportunities for them to learn how to serve because now they're serving you back. You create relationships. You create all these things versus hoarding and having a scarcity mindset and saying, this is mine. Mm -hmm. Quid pro quo. You give me one, I'll give you one. Like when you're a kid with your brother, give me that toy, I'll give you that toy. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And there are still times where you do something and you don't get anything back. Okay. Fine. Yeah. You know, learn from that, Um, you know, and, and, or remember, it just might not be immediate. You know, um, I tell people that's one of the things why I, and this is purely anecdotal, why I think sometimes women are much better networkers. Mm. Take all that information, we file it away. You know, she does this and she does this and she does this. And I, you know, might not be able to help anybody right then, but five years down the road, wait a minute, I remember that this person does this and then I, I do the introduction. And and, and sometimes it is more with, you know, men, what can you do for me now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, you know, like I said, purely anecdotal, but it's, but I do think sometimes women are much more, we, we do listen more and we try to, to put those things together. Maybe that's because we're the nurturers Yeah, and we're trying to do all of those things. But, you know, the hard part is you know, if, if it seems like we're always the ones doing the giving, then it's hard. Um, yeah, I think I think that's the key is, you know, in in that same book, Give and Take by Adam Grant, he describes how um, givers are both at the least and the most successful end of the spectrum. Right. And the and, and, and he solves for why. Mm-hmm. And the why, and put simply, is the ones that are strategic givers are the most successful, mm-hmm. and the ones that are just unable to say no, those are the least successful. Right. So, I mean, right. No way, shape, or form. This is important. Don't miss this. Service is a choice. Right. You know, as I've grown this business, sometimes people would say, well, Jonathan, you're the service guy, so you have to help me. And I go, I don't have to help anything. I get to choose. Otherwise, it's not service. Otherwise, it's a mandate. It's a job. It's an obligation. It's an obligation. So that's kind of the first part. Mm -hmm. The second part is, going back to your last point, is I think, and again, I'm not the expert on this, but I believe from my personal life experience, that the whole idea of I'm expecting something back Mm -hmm. is the problem. So for me, the shift that I write about in the book and how I got there and how I teach my people is the idea is I'm going to trust the universe Mm -hmm. that somehow all these acts of service will come back. And sometimes the way it comes back is through the most random, mm-hmm. unexpected thing. And so anytime that you're expecting something back, that's not really an act of service. Right. That's just, if anything, it's creepy because you're sort of like, you're, you're pre-anticipating a response. And if they don't, then you're upset. Right. That's, that's almost worse than saying a very clearly negotiated, I'll give you this and you give me that. So the idea is, if you really want to reinvent yourself around selfless service, which we talk about how to do that in the book, how to create a culture around that in the book, But if you really want to do it, it starts with this idea of you have to let go, which is the hardest part. Mm -hmm. You have to let go of the expectation that the individual or individuals that you serve, Mm -hmm. you got to get something back from. Right. But you also have to balance that like everything else, right? I call it dry rain. There's, there's two sides to everything. seems like dry rain would be impossible. So on one hand, I'm saying, don't worry about it. It comes back. But on the other hand, don't just be dominated by takers who are going to suck you dry, never give anything back. And, you know, because at the end of the day, my goal is impact. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So the way I think about it is where will every act of service have a maximum impact? Right. I, I only have so much time. Mm-hmm. And so could I go down the street and could I stand on the street corner and could everybody that walks by or drives by, I could hold a sign that says, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. And no matter who it is, whatever they ask, I could do. That's one right. option. And mm-hmm. yeah, I should do that. I'd probably get on the, on the news, but that's not what I'm describing here. What I'm describing is for anybody listening, look at your current business mm-hmm. and whatever meetings you already have scheduled, whatever interactions you already have coming, when you approach those, instead of in that meeting thinking, what do I got to get out of this? What do I got to get out of this? What do I got to get out of this? I hope they shut up so I can talk soon. Spend that whole time really listening, really focusing on them. And for me, a meeting is not successful unless I identify three definitive ways mm. that I can help that person. Mm-hmm. And then when you actually do them right after the meeting, you blow people away. Right. He's doing that. Mm-hmm. So when people act like, like today, because our company's had so much success, people act like I got some secret knowledge. I'm, I'm telling you, man, you look back over time, some of the greatest minds in history from Aristotle and Socrates to, uh, to Christ, mm-hmm. to Muhammad Ali, everybody says the same thing. They all say, serve first, mm-hmm. give, help. Right. Um, and so it's just a function of saying, okay, if that's possible, then in my day, whatever meetings I already have, I'm just going to pour myself into that person. Mm-hmm. I'm going to love on them. I'm going to figure out ways I can serve them. I'm going to ask for nothing in return. And in my experience, that done over time creates extraordinary success. Now, the caveat is for all of you who are just looking to make a million bucks tomorrow, don't do this. Right. I'm not. Saying this is instant gratification. In fact, I'm intentionally saying it's not. This is for people that want long-term sustainable success where they don't have to wake up, you know, in commercial real estate, most people have to wake up January 1st. Mm-hmm. They got to go do it all over again, right. clean their gun, and it's time to go start over. For us, every January, we got stuff rolling in and our job is just to do a great job of that mm-hmm. and then to make sure we're continuing to serve in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you mentioned one of the things that I think is is absolutely critical to this, and and that is that there are times you definitely have to say no, and you know whether it's you know they they you know they've asked you often it's for a time commitment you know hey can you volunteer can you help us do that or it could be money I mean you know look at how many times every day we get asked for for a donation for great worthy causes yep you know but. Uh, let's be honest, uh, you know, we're not Bill Gates. We can't just write every check that that we want to write. So it comes back to thinking, okay, who, where am I going to get the most bang for my buck? Literally, Um, you know, and, and same thing with, with not volunteering and, and all of those things. And it's hard. I mean, you know, because people are really good at guilt trips. Uh, What do you mean you can't serve on that committee? You've served for five years or, you know, you're so good. You're the only one that can do this. You know, we know that you would do this, and you know, and and sure, you know, that's that's always great to hear that. You know, we all ooh, isn't that cool? Um, but you know, sometimes we we really do. The best thing for everybody involved is to say no. I mean, you know, if you know that your time is going to be stretched and you're not going to be able to give a hundred percent, then you really should be saying no, because then they can go find someone who will be able to give a hundred percent. Yeah, maybe it's that you say, okay, I can't do that but I can do this. 
you know, and, and things like that. And, and saying no really is one of the hardest things. You know, we were, we're talking off the air. One of my favorite people is Bob Berg. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you refer to him in your book. Yep. And, you know, he, he has the go-giver mentality and philosophy. And he is an absolutely delightful man. And I had him on the program a couple of times. And I, I remember asking him one time, but Bob, how, how do you not get taken advantage of? And he said, that's the thing. He said, you have to, to know where you're not going to get taken advantage of. Um, and, and sometimes that is hard. And, and there are people who will say, nope, fine, I'm never going to have anything to do with you. Okay, then they weren't the right people to be dealing with anyway. And so, you know, you have to know those things so you can give, but you don't overgive. Yeah, I think that's, I don't even know if I have anything to add. That was so beautifully stated. Like, I completely agree. I think that having discernment, right? If you're, if, if, if you look at, take your kids as an example. Right. For those of you who have kids out there, I have four kids. So are there a lot of causes that are really, really important out in the world? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that's more important than making sure that you're raising your kids? Not to me. No. Mm-hmm. So, so if you have that same mindset of it's easy to say no when it's your kids. Nope, can't do it because right. I got a family thing I got to do. It's, it's applying that same thing and realizing that, you know, this isn't about doing good for doing good. We're already, we already all know that we're either living that way or we're not. This is not what I'm describing. I'm describing a different way of doing business, which in that little sentence is the word business. So we're in business and in business, you have to be smart. You have to be competitive. You have to be strategic. You have to think ahead. You have to outwit the competition, right? So all of those things are factored into this. So all I'm saying is if you don't already know that doing good is the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. You're, you're, you're probably not alive. Right. right? So and and let's be honest, we lost them five minutes into the program. Totally. They don't, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is for people that are trying to reconcile this idea of, I wish I didn't have to be ruthless, mm-hmm. but I also don't know how to, like the most common question I get is, I don't know how to make money off of this because how, right. how do I not get taken advantage of? That's the most common thing. And in fact, for me, that was my biggest question coming in too is, especially having been raised the way I was and seeing how poor we were. I mean, I remember so many times, Deb, where we would sit around, my my dad would call a family meeting and we lived in a very small house Mm -hmm. in West Phoenix, which is not a great area. And our mortgage was $600 a month. And we, my dad multiple times would call us in, say, we don't have enough money for rent or for our mortgage payment. And if God doesn't provide, we might lose our house. Mm-hmm. And so we'd literally like, be like be praying in right. the living room. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought, this is insane. Like if, 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 if this is really how, how God we live takes, like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If this is how God takes care of the people that work for him. I want nothing to do right. with it. Yeah. Right? So that's not what I'm describing. What I'm describing is, is how do we as business people reconcile the, the, the deep down calling within us to do the right thing, to not cut corners, to not take advantage of people, to not be ruthless, to really serve and love other people while still advancing, making money, building successful businesses. And what I'm trying to say is morality aside, this has nothing to do with religion or morality or any of that stuff. This is pure, hard hitting, practical business wisdom, which is the more people 
that you serve strategically, right? Pick the people that if you served and loved them, don't just pick anybody. Right. Say, who are the top 50 people? Mm-hmm. But if I blew them away, would be able to send me more business than I could ever handle. Mm-hmm. And then get to work blowing those 50 people away with service. Right. right. Then watch over time what happens. Don't have expectations, but don't quit and just keep serving and giving and giving. Over time, it's 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 almost impossible to resist. Right. There's only so much and now. It almost guilts them. You know, they're like, oh, I have to refer back to Jonathan. <laughs> exactly. But again, it's 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 I don't want people to do it out of gift, guilt. I want them to do it out of wanting to. Right. Right. Now, because they rather, know how well you're going to treat the people that, that work with you. Exactly. So here's one other very important distinction for those who are are are, are, are listening and really trying to put this into practice. This is not about, you mentioned nonprofits and all that stuff. This is not about money. Mm-hmm. This is not about donating money to people. Right. This is not about not being able to say no to that yet another phone call or email that says, hey, I need you to contribute mm-hmm. to this amazing cause. What this is about is this is about saying yes to the things of service you know, we all know how to serve. So why do we hold back on knowing how to love and serve people when it really matters? So if you have a big prospect you're pursuing, instead of thinking about how do I sell them and how do I tell them and how great I am and put this amazing PowerPoint together, think, what does this person really need and how can I serve them well in advance of them having a need? So by the time they have a need, I'm the automatic choice. There's already a relationship there. And it's a relationship built on you doing something for them not on you trying to sell them. And I have so many relationships with people, Deb, in the community that I am I am the farthest thing from a perfect dude. I am, I mean, the opposite of that. But you know what people all know about me is that if they need something, they can call me. And if I can help them, I will. And if I can't, I'll be very clear. I won't dodge it. Right. I'll say, oh, can't help you with that today. Mm-hmm. Or not going to be doing that. I'm very clear on my nose, mm-hmm. but they all know that if I have it in my power to help them, I'm going to do it. Right. And so we created this community of people where we all try to help each other. So it's, it, 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 and it's not just me. Like I'm just the guy talking about it. Uh, we, the only reason Kaiser is successful the way that it is, is because so many people in the community have helped us get here. Right. So this is not a look at me, I'm out serving everybody and you know, be like me. No, I'm just saying, as a ruthless dude, I thought that was the only way. I found a different way. I built a company around it. Mm-hmm. And now my whole mission is I want to change the business world, Deb. I want the smartest and brightest and, and most upwardly mobile people in the future, graduating from the best schools, to really believe at their core that they don't have to go be ruthless, Mm -hmm. that the more people they help, the more people they love and serve, the more success over time that they're going to have. And if it happens, I'll consider myself a success. And that's why we started the Kaiser Institute because so many people would come to Kaiser and say, wow, this place is unbelievable. I've never seen a culture like this in commercial real estate ever. How do you guys do this? And so I I was answering, how do we do this? And it it would get sucked into more conversations and more conversations. And so I said, you know what? We need to create an institute to train and empower and certify the next generation of selfless leaders. So in the future, we're going to have a certification process like you'd have for Six Sigma or or getting an MBA. We're going to have that kind of thing for selfless leadership so that people can go into organizations, 
not just have it on the resume, but actually make companies more profitable, more sustainable, have people be happier within organizations where these people are impacting them. Right. You know, and it's funny. One of the things that I was thinking about as you were saying this is everybody, or not everybody, most everybody absolutely hates the thought of selling. We don't want to be salesmen. We don't want to do all of that. And maybe that's because we shouldn't be. You know, we, we need to, to, to be doing it this way instead because then we're not in your face saying, you need to buy this from me. This is the greatest no. thing in the world and nobody else can provide it for you. And ew, he's really bad. You know, because that's just not what we should be doing. You know, we, yes. we should be giving as opposed to selling. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, it couldn't agree more. And that's the whole point. I mean, we have, and, and by the way, we give a lot of stuff away on our website, ruthless.com. So oh, go yes. um, lots of free resources. We have a um, self-reinvention roadmap mm -hmm. where we basically give you everything you need to start working on this within your own organization. And we have workshops and all kinds of things. But at the end of the day, the idea is very simple. It's how do you go, how do you take this from concept? There's probably a lot of you on this call going, I kind of get it, like that makes sense. But I don't know how to take that and actually make it work in right. my, so first step would be read the book because I give a lot, like I give so much like, examples and I try to make, I try to make it so that if you wanted just to go do it yourself, you take my book, read it, highlight it and go create your own culture. But then we also have all these free resources on ruthlessbook.com that will enable you to do that better. So I'd invite you, anybody who would like, you know, this is our mission. We want to change the business world. This is bigger than commercial real estate brokerage. This is bigger than business. This is an idea that, that, that I believe will be the dominant idea in the future if more and more people uh, lean in and start adopting this kind of service-based mindset. Right. You know, and, and you mentioned the resources and, and it's like, oh my gosh, we're coming up against the top of the hour. And, and it's funny, I just, texted, I know. And I texted, I said, we're going long. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, you, you, you know, we have the, the 15 core principles that we didn't even talk about. We're going to talk about one, um, but you do have so many resources and I love downloading them. Um, one of the things, and, and, you know, this is, is always fascinating to me is you have a book list. Um, you know, and, and I downloaded that and, and, you know, all these various things, but you know, it, it is something, you know, we want people to buy the book. We want people to, to do all of that, but we got to talk about the duck. What the heck? Sure. Why do you have a duck sitting back there? So that, I love that question. So this, this, this is our duck. The duck is our mascot and we have hundreds, if not thousands, mm -hmm. I haven't counted them recently, but I think they're in the thousands now of little mini ducks all around the office. He's a and, big duck. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. We have all the little mini ones all around the office. But the idea of the duck is simple. Mm -hmm. Number one, you know, one of our principles is, uh, number nine is we are lighthearted and playful in all that we do. Mm -hmm. This reminds us we're in a serious industry mm -hmm. with a lot of people trying to take each other out at the knees. Mm -hmm. And so while we are safe and love and service within the culture we have created here, mm -hmm. we're an oasis within an industry that's the opposite. So right. It's not easy to do what we do. And so part of it is reminding ourselves, hey, it's life is simple, fun, and easy, right? It's, it's not that big of a deal. This is a reminder. Right? If you think about what a duck represents, mm -hmm. here it is kind of looks like it just floating across the surface of the water, but underneath mm -hmm. its little feet are paddling. So that's kind of the idea here too is, you know, we're working really, really hard, 
but we're chill and cool and having a good time on the surface. Mm -hmm. There's also just some cool things about ducks that make ducks super. So we, if for anybody who'd like the free resource on our website, we have a, a download and it's in the book as well, ruthlessbook.com, um, where you can learn more about what we use for the books. But if you look at it, we talk about how it's representative of fun, mm -hmm. uh, relaxed and worry-free while working our butts off, true teamwork. If you ever watch ducks flying in a V, it's unbelievable how they work as a team. Right. Selfless leadership, the lead duck. I mean, talk about leaders eat last. That duck has the hardest job out in front. Extraordinary effort leading to success. If you ever watch a duck taking off for flight, it's unbelievable. That's kind of what it's like to create the selfless culture and selfless service. The ducks are always pruning themselves, pruning each other. And so we have all this mindset around ducks. As worries rain down on us, the down, you know, it just washes off of them. So they're, they're worry-free. And so for us, it's a reminder that while we're in a super serious industry with a very serious mission of changing the business world, it's all, it's all good. Mm -hmm. Everything's fine. Have a good time. Enjoy the ride. Because at the end of the day, all you get is the ride. And, and that's something I don't talk a lot about because I really want it to be about practical business experience. But most commercial real estate brokers are miserable. Right. They, I, I know I was, and I felt trapped just like I described earlier. So here you have this really cool industry for the most part where it's, there's no limit on how much you can make. It's all about how hard you work and how creative you are. Yet you have such a culture that you have alcoholism and early deaths and oh, stress, tons of stress, right? And so it's like it, all of that is not very sustainable either. So how do you get the good, the success, the money, the the uh, the autonomy to do whatever you want without having to be a part of that culture? And so that's why we're building a global firm. Right? We're going to be a billion dollar company that completely reinvents commercial real estate. And part of the reason I wrote the book is I'm looking for leaders who want to help us build mm -hmm. offices and other markets that right. really resonate with this message and say, man, that guy's crazy, but I kind of like that. I, mm -hmm. Could I be a part of that? And that, and the answer is yes. We're looking for like-minded leaders who can help us build and establish a global brand. Um, the other thing is, you know, there's a lot of company CEOs and executives out there that are sick and tired of not having somebody that they can really trust on the commercial real estate side. And so we're also, you know, we're, we're, we're looking constantly for those leaders that would love to have a real partnership, that would love to have someone who actually you could trust. You know, right. if you say, hey, of, of all the people in your life, who are your top three that you trust the most? If somebody says my commercial real estate broker, it's like laughable. Like right. people, who? What? <laughs> what? Like, what do you mean? And so our goal is to make that not laughable and have it be that the very first person they say is, man, my broker at Kaiser is unbelievable. And then the Institute, right? For those of you who say, man, I wish I could have this culture within my company. How could I do how, how could you help me do this? One, read the book, download the book, buy it for your, you know, your free employees. We have lots of free resources and we also have workshops. So if you want to engage with that, go to ruthlessbook.com and we'll be able to help you engage and get you involved in the institute so that so that you can be doing this yourself within your own respective organizations. Right. You know, and, and we've talked about it several times, and it's the fact that you know, we're, we, as, as business people, we think we absolutely have to be ruthless. Totally. Um, you know, and, and okay, or, or maybe not absolutely and totally ruthless, but we have to always be looking out for ourselves and, and, you know, our business has to be successful. And I think part of the reason we have so much stress is we're, we're that way in our work life 
And then we have our personal life where it's totally different. And our body and our mind and our hearts are going, wait a minute, we're very confused. Um, And it's funny, I was one of the the videos that you had on your website, um, part of it, and I, I stopped, I played it back, I ran it again, and then I wrote it down. At the end of the day, it's just business. And I think that's maybe one of the things that, that you know, people really need to, to strike home about is, you know what, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, sure, things might go bad. Things might go really, really bad. But if we're not feeling good about what we're doing in here, and let's be honest, in our, in our heads too, then it really doesn't matter. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and I love all the, the, the 15 concepts. Um, you know, and, and it's, you know, I, we're going to go over. Pay attention, folks. We're just going to go a little bit long. Um, you know, one of the ones that you talk about, and it's it actually, you know, somebody's going to think, wait a minute, it's the opposite of what you're saying, is we expect to win every single time. So briefly, tell us, you know, tell us how that can even coexist with all this. I love that. And that's another example of dry rain where people that have this idea that I'm saying some squishy thing, which is, you know, zero strategy, just give everything away and hope. That's not what I'm saying. You know, our mindset is we expect to win every single time, period. We do this because we think and act as we truly are the best in the business. No one delivers better service or representation than our team. We are the best and we honor ourselves, our partners, and our clients by being and doing our best. So what does that even mean, right? How does that play out? Here's how it is for me. The mindset is if I'm sitting across from someone, and I effectively share with them how I'm going to be able to help them abundantly above and beyond. And then I demonstrate that, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's no one else that's going to have the commitment to their success than I am mm-hmm. or people within Kaiser. Are. Mm-hmm. And so if people experience that, why would they ever choose anything else? So right. it's this idea of go so abundantly above and beyond for people that you eliminate the choice because you so clearly acted as if already and demonstrated to them what most people say, well, here's all the things we're going to do. Mm-hmm. We just do. Mm-hmm. Right? There's an amazing book by Patrick Lencioni called Getting Naked. And he describes a business book for those who haven't read it. Um, and he describes how, how this amazing little consulting firm really grew mm-hmm. by just going in and starting helping people. So it's this idea of if that person across the table really gets and has seen and experienced how committed we are to them, why wouldn't we win? How could they choose anyone else? So it's this mindset, not of like we're cocky, it's this mindset of commitment to doing so much for everyone that they'd be crazy to hire somebody else. Right, right. You know, and, 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 you know, and then when they go to refer to somebody, you know, you'd be crazy to not go with them um, because they, you know, and, and, uh, it really does come back to the fact that, you know, what we were saying, the start, so many companies are okay with being average, with being okay. And so when somebody asks, hey, who you want to work with? I mean, we don't even always refer to somebody because, you know, it's an okay job. Yeah. And you don't want to have your reputation yeah. potentially slighted by yeah. doing it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and so we remember, and, and here's maybe the sad fact of life. We remember the, the uk ones that we never, ever are going to refer to. But we also really remember those who went above and beyond because it, it is unusual. So the, the key is, folks, because it's so unusual, don't you want to put yourself there? You know, don't you want to be those standout people that everybody remembers? And in a good way, not in a bad way. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and what's really amazing, Deb, and I love what you just said, what's really amazing is that if anybody listening, and I know you have a, a big following, so it's a lot of people in their cars or, or at home, but if you really think, if you just get quiet for 30 seconds and think as I speak, who are those people in my life that have done so much for me that they instantly pop into mind? Mm-hmm. There was, when I was young, there was a guy named Steve Messner. And Steve Messner, for whatever reason, was just nice to a young guy, mm-hmm. right? Here I am, this crazy missionary kid that was not well adjusted to the US. And he took me under his wing and he believed in me and he would hang out with me, which was not a lot of people wanted to. And I will forever remember him. And he always has a special place in my heart. And if he ever needed anything, all he'd have to do is call me. Right. And, and I think if we think there's not that many people that so quickly come to mind like Steve does to me. And the question then is, how do we put ourselves in that category for as many people as possible? Well, it's very simple. You serve them. You right. go beyond for them. You help them. And here's the other thing. What if there's a problem? Mm-hmm. Business isn't perfect. Life's not perfect. Mm-hmm. What do people know when they come to my firm? They know, which is very unusual in our space. If there's a problem, you call me mm-hmm. and I will fix it. Yes. Give your money back. Mm-hmm. Like, I got your back. I'll be standing there working with you on it, not running for the hills, blaming you, getting attorneys involved. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm here to help, which means... In the toughest situations, when things don't go as planned, if we did drop the ball or if somebody on their team dropped the ball, we're not playing, you know, who done it. We're not trying to point fingers of blame. We're going, we're here to serve. And, and, and some of my best clients are people that saw in the tough moments how I stood in the gap with them and selflessly served them at, to my own detriment sometimes, right. if it wasn't even my fault. And they go, that's my guy for life. And so, People have this mindset of like, okay, but that's not practical. That doesn't make sense. Like, you know, I, I, I need to get on to the next one. You know, real estate has this funnel mindset. Put everything in the funnel, mm-hmm. a little next, bit comes up the end. Next. Yeah, next turn, 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 turn. And mine's like, nope, slow down, mm-hmm. serve that person, help them, go above and beyond, mm-hmm. and then do the next one. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, the, the point we're making, folks, is that works in any industry. Um, you know, and, and, and that's, that really is the thing is you can make it work in whatever industry you are in, it works, um, you know, and whether you own your own business or you are an employee, now, if you're an employee, you know, the, you might start getting a little pushback if you start doing some of these things, but it really does work no matter where you are. Um, you know, what can you do to, to go above and beyond, to help, to give without expecting something in return? Totally. And I would, I would, I would not to be confrontational, but I would challenge that employee thing. I think that in any situation, right, you can't overstep your bounds. So I'm not suggesting that, but I am suggesting that so many times people withhold because they're worried, upset or whatever. So if you're an employee and your boss is a jerk, which happens all the time, my mindset is how do you selflessly serve the hardest people in your world? So when I speak, I give a challenge. I call it the three-part challenge. You want to dip your toe in the water with the strategy. You want to kind of do it or you want to go all in. So here's the, here's the challenge. One a week, 
Selfless service acts. This is toe in the water. Mm -hmm. You want to just try it out. Just do it. Okay. One person Mm -hmm. selflessly help them ask for nothing in return. Just anybody make it the easiest one you want Mm -hmm. and do it one a week. Mm -hmm. Second challenge is find somebody who you don't really like that much and help them. Right. Or, or maybe there's someone that you've had some issues with in the past. So it feels less fun to do it. Or maybe you're with them right now. I don't want to help them. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. Those, that, that, that's an amazing opportunity for you to learn how to serve and you'll see a transformation in the relationship. And then the third one, which is the hardest one, which is what you addressed is your boss. Mm-hmm. Because so many times it is challenging for people to serve people that they're in a, in their minds, an inferior position. With. But right. in my opinion, the, by serving those around you, especially the ones that are hardest to serve, you create the most extraordinary opportunities. I think you'd be amazed at how that relationship with your boss, with the person you don't like, how that transforms just by you being selfless. And I think you'll find much more opportunity for you within that company versus constantly being at war. Right. Okay. I suppose we've gone long, long enough. (laughs) And literally, I mean, we could keep going for hours on this, um, which just means we have to have you on again. Um, So, you know, but, but, you know, the book is so new that as we record this, you don't even have a copy of it, but hold up the mock-up because it is called, you don't have to be ruthless to win and see folks are crossing out ruthless. Um, And, and so, you know, please make sure that you get that go to ruthlessbook.com but you know how do they connect with you jonathan how do they find and connect with you well the best way to do it is go to ruthlessbook.com and through that if you want to book me to speak i do a lot of speaking gigs um do a lot of workshops um and if you want to just connect with our firm it's kaiser.com k-e-y-s-e-r.com if you want to uh, engage on the commercial real estate side if you're a broker listening and you're going hey maybe there's a possibility for me to engage with your firm call me, we'll help. Um, if you're a client prospect that said, hey, I need a real real estate broker versus the crap that I've had to deal with, call us. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're someone who says, I want this for my company, mm-hmm. I want this culture for my company, go to ruthlessbook.com, download the free tool, uh, the self-reinvention guide, and uh, call us and we'll be able to help you uh, get on your way of creating this culture for yourself around success, yes. selfless service within your own organization. Most definitely, you know, and, and, and I challenge everyone, read the book, you know, look at the resources and just see how, even if you're just implementing some of them, yeah. how much better it will make your life. Um, yep. you know, and, and with that, we're going to close. I am Deb Creer. I really have been having an absolutely wonderful, delightful time talking with Jonathan Kaiser. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks, Deb. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Редактор субтитров А.Семкин Корректор А.Егорова